everybody to the extended cut. Thanks for uh, letting us have a week off last week, and we are back at it today. We started a new series on Sunday. We're walking through the Psalms, and so John's joining me as we work our way through the first one, Psalm 8. Hey, guys. How's everybody? They're doing great. <laughs> they're, do- they're doing really well. Uh yeah, you know, I I uh, I think you guys had done Psalm several years ago. We did. Kind of picking yep. out some of the the favorites. And this year we we want to do it again through the summer and trying to pick out some that highlight the character of God. They all highlight it, but some of them that really stand out. And for us, Psalm 8 really speaks to God's handiwork. It's mentioned multiple times uh, from the heavens to the earth and then specifically man mm-hmm. right there in the middle of it. So uh, pretty unique psalm right up at the front of this, the the entire book of 150 of them. So um, what were some of the things that jumped out at you as you were preparing this week? Yeah, for me, as I read through the psalm, certainly in light of everything that's going on in our nation, uh, I mean, that the, the Two big things. One is to get my eyes back on Jesus with the, the first and the last verse, really zeroing in on his name being majestic. That was that was refreshing and it took me a while to with all the other stuff going on, it took me a while to get it to like go back to that because my mind was so captured by uh, certainly the race riots that are going mm-hmm. on in the country. And and then uh, the second thing was that that really really crazy verses in the middle where at one moment the Lord is is uh, talking about human beings like they're mere mortals and why do you even David saying why, why do you even think about us and in the next minute he's he's uh, talking about us a little lower than God yeah it's pretty cool back to back in two verses yeah he uh, he gets after it, uh, it it does seem a little disjointed as you read it yeah. and for me, I wrapped it all around this idea that um, first one and nine are all about the name of God going throughout the earth. And um, and so to me, it's, you know, as I read it, it's the way that his name mm. goes through. And so, um, and I, I just have been struck here recently with the the power of a name and then how, how often... This name of God is used. Um, you're supposed to trust in the name of God. It's, it's the name is for protection and power. And clearly, just like you can take that too far, where I can say Jesus and supposedly everything's supposed to bow because I say His name. Um, I, I don't think that's it. I, I think it's this, the same way that as a celebrity endorses something, you're putting their name, their reputation behind it, and so. Um, there's clearly this reputation of God that goes throughout the earth. And, you know, it just doesn't take long to to look around and see when you watch creation as it speaks, mm. it's declaring the reputation, the might, and the power of God. Mm. And Sunday I talked about a woodpecker, and this morning I was out just a little bit, and or last night I was, you know, grabbing the mail late in the evening, and, you know, fireflies were going crazy. And one was just right in front of me, and that thing lit up. And I'm like, <laughs> what? I mean, who comes up with that? <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I mean, that is, it's just declaring his name wow. and his power. So That's good. So much peace comes, thinking back to Philippians 4 the week before, 
when you declare his name great. I mean, and, and nature does it with no rebellion. Oh, yeah. And yet, you know, human beings, we do it as well, but we do it with the flesh pulling the other way to exalt our own names. Mm. And we certainly have seen that in the last last couple of weeks. So, yeah, that there's all this peace when you can settle verse 1 and 9 and hold his name high like the rest of creation. And there's all this peace because that's how it's supposed to work. Yeah. As opposed to as Satan convinced Eve in the garden that her name was great. Yeah. And she bought it. We buy it. Mm. Our nation's buying it. And uh, then then all chaos breaks loose. So, yeah. yeah. A lot of the Psalms do a great job of pointing, our, pointing us back to... Even David, I love it. He'll be angry with the Lord or sad, and then he'll go half the psalm that way, and then he'll flip it and r- remind himself who the Lord is, and then peace comes back. It's mm-hmm. great exercise for all of us, certainly now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you talk about how natural it is for creation to declare, you know, God's glory and and uh, the triumphal entry when, you know, they're saying, hey, you need to calm the crowds down. And he said, well, if I calm them down, it's going to get... It'll be unnatural when the rocks yeah. cry out. And so, um, yeah. yeah, it's going to happen one way or the other. So um, so when you think about it in verse 3, he talks about, you know, the work of his hands, his fingers, the stars, the moon, all of that set into place. And then to, the, to your point when he asked, what is man that he is mindful of him? And then he talks about man being crowned with glory and honor. Yeah. And so there's this... There's this pinnacle of creation, and even though, even though clearly we've blown it, and I think the there, there's some people that believe the angels are asking this question. Yeah, what's what's wrong with y'all? What 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 in the world? Like they're, it's like they're in the divine council and they're looking at God and saying, <laughs> yeah. "Why are you worried about man? Look at how pathetic they are." And then. Um, and, in, and what even makes it stronger is the the English misses it with just the word man, but there are multiple words for man. And typically we think of Adam like just, just man or Adam. But this is actually a word that just talks about man being nearly sickly. Mm. And so as he talks about, you know, what is this sickly man that you remember him in the son of man, like even lower than that, like just he is highlighting... We are, we, we, we've messed this thing up. We are pretty low. Weak. Weak, very weak. But in that weakness, we have been crowned with the glory and an honor. And, and I think that's the image of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Piper, I, I listened to him speak on this, and he said, uh, his majesty is manifest in, a, in his supreme creation. And I kept thinking about myself as the supreme creation in light of uh, verse four that I, you know, if, if you what you're saying is accurate, the angels like, man, they're weak, <laughs> and then he's and and then God the Father looking at us as His supreme creation, and He gets glory out of the firefly and the woodpecker, but look at that, mm. you know, and uh, so that's where our name has some kind of meaning because we represent, you know, the great Creator, yeah, and we are His creation, supreme creation. Yeah, I, um, I, I've been I've been really trying to process the image of God, and uh, 
mainly because of some some things I've been reading. And uh, a lot of times when we try to make, I have been, I, I think I, I think I've wrongly associated the image of God with intellect because mm. I'm smarter than a deer or a woodpecker or mm-hmm. um, emotional, like I'm because I show or have more emotion than wildlife or or maybe even because I'm, I have a spiritual side, like I can connect to God. Um, but if if that's true, then it's all things that are that are based on what I can do or accomplish. And if the image of God is less about that, because I mean, if we were to boil this down, if it's about intellect, then like, what's the What's the baseline intellect for you to have the image of God? Mm, yeah. I mean, it, and then it even comes to some of the things that we hold dear, like what about an unborn baby? That, that Do they have intellect? Do they have emotional? Do, do they have, you know what I mean? Like there's yeah. several things that you're like, well, is that, it just makes you question some of it. And then, and then not only that, but what about a person who's in a vegetative state or something along those lines? Then you're like, well. Yeah. They don't have those things to the same degree. And so at some point, you, for me, I began to think about it as status. And you use the word representation that I really, I really believe that when God put Adam and Eve on the planet, it was to represent his authority. Mm. It was to represent him as, he, as they were to govern all that he had made in this physical material world. So there was a physical material being mm-hmm. us to represent that. And that's a status. And so you have that status from conception. You have that status even as in a vegetative state or with a lessened mental capacity, you have that. And so- Indeed. For for me, as I began to think through it in terms of the status of crown, of glory, honor, he's Lord, you made everything under his feet. That's not that's not because you're smart and you have some emotional stability. That's just because that's the status God gave you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. I hadn't thought about it like that. I I, I was thinking about it from a you know, we use the word mystery often when we refer to God in the scriptures, like he's beyond our ability to even comprehend. When you start talking about omnipresent and omniscient and you start talking about this, the greatness of God. And in in, in many ways, we carry that image. There's this complexity and we can't even figure out ourselves. Mm. Seems like we can figure out the rest of the planet and we cannot figure out how to control our emotions. We can't figure out like some of those other complexities it's beyond us Hmm. we sing songs about uh there's always a male singer singing a song about how he can't figure out Hmm. a lady it's it's beyond us and even the way you know you you hear preachers trying to put together uh what is a man's soul Hmm. in soul spirit body what what is it and we do all this work to try to get it and we can't we can we just can't quite get it. Yeah. Scientists can't figure out exactly how the body works. They they get, you know, they learn more and learn more and learn more and they're surprised by something else. Yeah. Continues to Yeah, it's it's uh shocking how complex the Lord made us. Hmm. 
in his image. Yeah. So C.S. Lewis in his book, Weight of Glory, he, he, I mean, if we've been crowned with glory, he, he makes the, I wish I had the quote in front of me, but he just says, then that means there's this, this weight of glory on mm. all of us. That's pretty good. And yeah. for me, as I read it, and, and I, I sent you a text or an email earlier in the week, you know, because I knew it was on your heart. I mean, it, it doesn't take long to, I mean, it's on all of our hearts. Absolutely. Most of us don't even know how to feel about it as we think about all of the discussion about race and at the time, the rioting and the, the protest and everybody's going back and forth. And, you know, depending on what you say, you're either, you know, a hero or villainized. And I watched one go, Drew Brees went from the villain to the hero. You know what yeah, I mean? It just, it, it just is, it's been crazy. And when I got to, as I just reading through it and thinking about it, if we've all carried the weight of glory, um, it's just good for me to be reminded that that's, that's every person on the planet. That's not, I think sometimes I even get to thinking that the image of God is just for Christians. Hmm. Um, but that's not. That's not true, yeah. And, and it's just, it was just a great reminder for me to think every person's got, every human being has got the image of God, the weight of this glory and honor, this responsibility, this task, and uh, to represent, you know, God. Yeah, John Calvin, who, you know, had, he's known for other things, but one of his primary tenets that he just establishes is that we're all children of God. Mm. So by creation, we are all, every man, woman, child, everybody is a child of God based on creation. Now, obviously, then, you can only become, quote, a true child of God by believing in Jesus, but just ver just through creation, there's mm. this deep connection to God because we're made in his image. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty, uh, even though Calvin gets in all kinds of discussions, mm -hmm. that's one pretty easy to agree on, agree on that we're you bet. all made in the image of God and therefore his children. Yeah. Not in a saving way. Yeah. But in a creative way here on the planet. Yeah. I, I think that's the reason I felt like I wanted to start there. Because I think that's an easy place for us to all agree. It is indeed. Um, yeah. I, I even think that's really probably at the heart of the ecumenical movement is that, like, this this piece of it, we're all humans, we're all made in the image of God, we're all God's children. And so there's a piece of that that can blur to universalism no and question. multiple ways to heaven. But there's a piece of it that is incredibly healthy for us to remember and it's a baseline for how we should treat each other, that we are, we are partners together in image bearing. Um, and so as I got to thinking about it, I, I just had to, I had to process what is it that makes it so hard to see each other as, to forget the image of God piece? Mm. What, what is it that does that? And, you know, for me, it just, I was just reminded that most of the horrendous things that we do to people is because we don't see them as people anymore. Mm -hmm. And and I think, I, I wonder if the outrage over seeing somebody, that, that police officer put their knee on a man's neck for seven, eight minutes, however long it was, and for him to be motionless, lifeless, and still not pull his knee off. I wonder the reason why that video goes viral and why there's such outrage is because I think there's something 
I think Solomon's right in Ecclesiastes when he says eternity's written on our heart. I think every person on the planet knows that's not how you treat another human being. Mm. And so even the unbeliever looks at it and says, wait, and they may not be able to put all the words to it and, and, and may say black lives matter or whatever, but at the end of the day, I think they're saying, that's a human being. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's, not just a, it's not just a father or somebody's son or I think, and I might be wrong, but I wonder if that is at maybe that core. And I, I wanted to talk about that some on Sunday, but I really, I, I think that's some of what Solomon might mean when he says eternity's written on our heart, that we know deep down that humankind is special. Yeah, I agree. I, I think in, in this particular case, in George Floyd's case, that, uh, that you have that component and then you have uh, just this ongoing, because of American slavery, mm. this ongoing pain that just keeps being replicated. And so you, you have this very base level where we, we, uh, we want to protect all human life and then, then it kind of, then you see a nation that is consistently, consistently taking lives, consistent, consistently use the word dehumanize on, on Sunday, continually dehumanize uh, the black population in the country, literally brought a lot of um, Africans here and in their mind um, treated them as animals. You know? Yeah, property. Yeah, I mean, yeah. South Carolina being one of the worst states in the union in that way where more than half of our net value in certain times was owned slaves. Yeah. And uh, so the pain that uh, African-Americans feel in, in the United States right now is, I mean, it's always bubbling under the surface because of so much abuse. Mm. So it's, it was, uh, I don't know, man. For me, the um, cumulative was as much as what happened in those mm. seven minutes, the cumulative effect. And again, here I am, I said as a white guy who, who, hasn't, mm. who hasn't ever been treated like that, and yet I, I hear, I've heard all the stories from friends and more, more this week. Uh, everybody's got another story every time I talk to them. Mm-hmm. And that, the cumulative effect... Uh, and I think, you know, when you haven't actually experienced one of those stories, it's easy to assume that they're extremely isolated mm. until you, uh, you know, virtually every black man that I mm. would call a friend, not virtually every black, it's not one story, it's multiple. It's a mu- multitude yeah. of stories uh, that they sit on, and many of them are <laughs> incredibly gracious, but there's mm. still this unrest that, that is bubbling under the surface. And, you know, we've, we've had three in a row, yeah. three big public stories in a row. And then, uh, then the balloon pops and, yeah, you know, uh, rightfully so. When you talk about stories, you're, you're talking about the, our black brothers and sisters who have stories to talk about being pulled over, being, being harassed, whatever, based purely on their skin color, having done nothing wrong. That, that, those are the stories you're Absolutely. talking about. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and if you're a historian, we're talking, 
Civil War wasn't that long ago. Yeah. Not in the the the, the great, you know, when you're looking at all of history, it yeah. just wasn't that long ago. And you know, my my friend uh, in college, uh, his uncle was lynched. Hmm. So that's like it was. Uh, this isn't like it was. You know, this right now, this is in our lifetime, and and yeah, you got uh, just yeah. Every guy's got a story being pulled over. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I had there's a pastor friend of mine in Atlanta who's black, drove over to Columbia to speak at this big, I mean, big big name guy, scared to death to make that drive. His biggest fear is that somebody's gonna pull him over. Wow. You know, that, and that you know we have we have wonderful police officers in our town. So it's not like this indictment. It's an indictment on time yeah. and the consistency and, and the abuse over the course of time by oftentimes in a police force, a very, very small minority of people that, yeah. that are racist or, or they're power hungry yeah. or, or something. But it's been consistent. And so when you, when you see it, every single black man I know tells the same story, then eventually you go, you know, as as the majority in the United States, which at, at, at this moment, uh, the white population is the majority. You got some responsibility there. And certainly as believers, we have great responsibility. Yeah. Because of this image bearing. That's right. That, that you, you brought up. But then also, um, consistently from, from Genesis to uh, Revelation, our responsibilities for the oppressed. And so you... You end up uh, have having multiple. If you're not in the majority, often the minority races in the in the country end up being oppressed, and that's mm-hmm. consistent across the world. Yeah. So we have we have responsibility. Yeah. When I uh, just as I begin to go through that, I I was thinking about you know clearly the the oppression of the vulnerable, which we talked about in this room with Brian and Derek, mm-hmm. yourself, and mm-hmm. and we did that on a podcast. And and it, it kind of it came back to me this week as I was thinking about the quartet of the vulnerable, of the fatherless, the the widow, the, the foreigner, and the poor. And for me, those are the easiest ones to begin to see as less than human for whatever reason. And most of the time, it's just circumstance. Mm-hmm. It has, um, it, it is purely circumstances, right? So, I mean, when you think about a widow, somebody who's lost their husband, that's nothing they've done. Yeah, you know right, what I mean? Right. Or or the orphan who had no choice in the matter, my guess is that they would have wanted their parents to be there. You Absolutely, know what I mean? Yeah. And so, and then you think about the foreigner either, you know, I, I immediately went to Ruth, who was a widow and had nothing, and so she had to go with her mother-in-law and try to start a new life for herself. And so she had a double whammy against her, and she was poor. So she had the three going at it. And we make much of this story of Boaz, who clearly did not treat her as a second-class citizen. Mm -hmm. And when we say second-class citizen, we mean less than human, Mm -hmm. right? And, And I heard Tony Evans use those same words last night as he just said, I'm when you're treated like that, I mean, I'm, in my brain, I'm thinking that that's what that is. Mm-hmm. And so it's so easy to begin to see those. And for us, the foreigner would be the minority, mm-hmm. the person that doesn't look like us, the person that doesn't act like us or talk like us. Same language. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we look at it and immediately we begin to slap on these dehumanizing labels and we talk about them as less than. 
And for me, it was just a really good reminder of, of why, why do we do that? And, and I don't know, I don't know if I have the answers, but I know f- for me, it just other thing I had to do is what am I saying about people? Like, what are the words that come out of my mouth or even the things that I think that would dehumanize somebody mm-hmm. or a group of people? Um, and it doesn't take long to think, man, I, I got to be really careful with how I justify myself by dehumanizing other people. Absolutely. I think uh, so, so, so it's such a crazy time because on one level, then as believers, we kind of go into this idealistic conversation where uh, we're, we're all believers. So we're all, you know, now we're all, we're all redeemed by Jesus. We're all part of the family, all true. Mm. And then we kind of then want to make everybody the same, mm. which is not biblical either. Like, so, so there's this, because then we figure if everybody's the same, which we are all the same based on the, the blood that we were saved by, but then still the Lord, the Lord has gifted us with this great variety of color and culture. And so it's meant to be enjoyed. Mm-hmm. And, and instead we go the other way and we want to only be around like, mm. and, and again, that just speaks to our love of ourselves. Yeah. And when you, when you look at when John looks into heaven in Revelation 7 and he sees the celebration at the, you know, in front of the stage of the Lamb. Yeah. It's this vast crowd of folks worshiping in different languages with different colors. And I heard Tony Evans say this the other day. He says, hey, if you're black right now, you're going to be black in heaven. Mm. If you're Asian right now, you're going to be Asian in heaven. Indian, white, whatever. This is going, that's how it was designed. Yeah. To be not all to be alike, but all all in the same family, so therefore all equal. Mm. And so I mean, the Reese family, everybody's white, right? But man, I got six kids, and none of them are alike. Mm. And man, it'd be boring if they were all. Yeah. Instead, we we can celebrate the high ACT and the and you know the the kid who's the most athletic and the kid who's tall and the kid who's short, and we got all this variety even in our own home. We, we have that as people. Yeah. So it's, it's just frustrating as heck that we are uh, ruining hmm. the beauty of creation when we dehumanize and make others less than as opposed to enjoying other cultures. Yeah. So that's one of the great joys of life. Yeah, we... Uh... We like to celebrate it in small doses. Yeah, that's right. We like to go over and visit a, a country and say how beautiful this is, but we don't really want to. We like to enjoy it from afar. We like to. On our terms. Yeah, it's on our terms. Um, yeah, we like we like diversity of culture. Yeah, on our terms, for, for sure. Yeah, but then it flips, and this is one of the things that I think our church got to be careful of. Racism and the war against racism is not the gospel. That's right. right? So, like, what, what then happens is, and certainly in our country, from a political standpoint, then all of a sudden, it's almost as if uh, if you're racist in any way, then you're going to hell, mm. which is there's going to be racist in heaven and there's going to be abolitionist in hell. Yeah. Because the only hope for the world is Jesus. Yeah. So you can get this one wrong and still get Jesus right. Yeah. 
and be redeemed as this, you know, as we're going to continue to learn from the Psalms. Yeah. But, but it is like it's, it's a great cause for the followers of Jesus to embrace. You just don't want to get it ahead of the gospel because it really, really concerns me when I see people speak so boldly on this issue, but I've never heard them speak the name of Jesus. Yeah. Never told their neighbor about Jesus, mm. but they'll argue about race to the death. Yeah. And that be black or white. Yeah. And we've seen a lot. Of, I've heard more noise from our people on this in a good way. I'm proud that people are standing up and going to bat for uh, their black neighbors. Like, that's what we should do. But, man, we got an even better story yeah. in the gospel. And so we have to keep those things. That we, really, you're doing both and. That's right. But uh, it's uh, we as, as the followers of Jesus in this country, it's almost like our cause in the gospel is not good enough. Mm. So we're constantly looking for another one. And shoot, racism and abortion, those are great causes. Like, yep. let's go get it. Yeah. But not... Without selling, and this particular psalm takes us back to: Are you even worshiping? Hmm. So if you, if you're not worshiping and making Jesus the the great one that He is in your heart, then that, that that's got to happen first, and then you can go back to defending His creation. Yeah, no, that's good. Yeah, that, that's why they call it the social gospel. And that's right. So, um, and I, I, it comes in all shapes and sizes where. I've even heard it where God has a preferential option for the poor and the oppressed. And so as a result, um, you know, using scripture to make all of the gospel about defending the poor and the oppressed and to the point where, um, you know, there's only certain people that are, that are worthy of this and that the gospel is about, you know, uh, it's not about Jesus anymore. Yeah. And so you got to be really careful with that. And as I think about this psalm, it gets us to Jesus quickly. It does indeed. And um, I talked about verses 4 and 5 and 6 being quoted in Hebrews 2, but verse 2 is also quoted, and it's quoted by Jesus at um, when he comes in at the, the um, triumphal entry. Hmm. And so he says this in Matthew 21, the blind and the lame came to him, Jesus, in the temple complex, and he healed them. And when the chief priest and the scribes saw the wonders that he did and the children shouting in the temple complex, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. So the kids are seeing it. Kids get it. They're like, this guy's it. I mean, the eyes of a child, faith, are easy for them. And he said to him, do you hear what these children are saying? So he's talking mm. to these Pharisees who can't get it, chief priests who don't understand. Yes, Jesus told them, have you never read? Have you prepared, hmm. pra- you have prepared praise from the mouth of children and nursing infants? Mm, and then verse good. 17 says, he left them and went out of the city to Bethany and he spent the night. And so the rest of verse two says, because of your adversaries, you have established a stronghold of praise from the mouth of children and nursing infants to silence the enemy and the avenger. Mm. So Jesus, to silence the adversaries of this chief priest and Pharisees, says these kids get it. Yep. And they are from their mouths declaring the stronghold of praise. And so the rest of the passage, those guys don't say a word. Yeah. And so... Um, Even as you say it, I think, man, we were... So we were born totally depraved, but at the same time, we are created with this longing, 
this longing for a relationship with God. And his kids are, I mean, he's saying in Psalm 8, kids in the New Testament are saying the same. Our kids say it. Our kids don't get racism. They don't get any of this. They, they'll put their arm around anybody. Mm-hmm. And then as we grow, our hearts become uh, uglier in yeah. essence. You know, we're born sinners, but that, that it seems to fester and yeah. become more arrogant and more isolated. Yeah. That's good, boy. That's good. I, uh, as I think through this, the idea that God, like when you think of a nursing infant, the mouth of a child, this is, I mean, he's already made a point that man is weak and he is using a picture of the weakest possible mm. picture of a man. Of a man, yeah, yeah. And he's talking about how that, that silence is the, the enemy. And when you think about Jesus Christ, the suffering servant, he becomes the son of man. He takes on the form of man and becomes weak, slave, Philippians says, a servant, right? Mm-hmm. And, and as a result, God is able to use the weak, and he's able to use this, you know, this weak man mm-hmm. to silence the enemy. And um, I thought about it a little bit. Um, I think clearly um, George Floyd, mm-hmm. The epitome of weakness, mm-hmm. handcuffed on his belly, and hard life, hard life, mm-hmm. and um, just interesting to see that mm-hmm. being used to silence some of this racism. It is, it is interesting indeed, and and beautiful. Yeah, it just speaks of the majesty of God. Yeah. Doesn't say a whole lot about man, really. It just it yeah. just takes takes a man and uses him despite all of his flaws and sin. Yeah, and uh, it's beautiful and can do the same with us. Yeah, we got a church full of folks that are weak, so he can do the same with us. Yeah, and that's that's what we're dreaming about. We're dreaming about being used by the hand of God to bring Him glory. That's right. Out of our out of our weakness, it's, it's good and. I think all of us would agree, story after story, is God using weak. Matter of fact, that, that's typically who he goes after. Yes, indeed. Is the weak. Indeed. To display his glory, to display his power, to, to silence the adversary. And we could go over story after story of how that is. And um, for us, we're in, we're in the same boat. So want to be used by God. Yeah, Cheryl asked me if I had any regret when I spoke on it, because I, I, I didn't do a whole lot with Psalm 8. I was pretty fired up, so I, I wanted to get at the, the race thing. And I said, yeah, I think, and I, I said it a lot, but I'm not sure I can possibly say enough that the only hope for the world is Jesus. Hmm. Yeah. And, and, and then that takes that takes our strength out of play. Yeah, Puts it back on him, and it puts it back on the story of the gospel. So we say that again today. The only hope, and we get, we because... Uh, he's given us the gospel and saved us and given us this Holy Spirit. We get, the, we get to take that hope to the world. Yeah. And here we are again in the middle of chaos, COVID, this uh, horrible, uh, the, the riots and all the discord in our nation. Here we are, the people of God. He's trusted, put, put the gospel in our hands mm-hmm. and the spirit in our, in, in our insides and we get to carry the hope of the world. It's a great honor. It is. It is. Why don't you uh, pray for us to that end, and we'll uh, we'll wrap it up with that. Be glad to, Father. We uh, 
thankful to be able to do this. I always love just being able to speak to you and I don't have any great words to say. It really is just a moment of weakness on my own part. It seems like prayer for, for me and for us, the church, is this gift so that we can rest even though we know we're weak. As we uh, sit in your presence and we speak to you and your greatness and we depend on you to be uh, the one who delivers. So even as we see our, our country in tor- turmoil, Lord, we, we want to we come to you as your children and simply ask for you to bring peace. Lord, I pray that uh, the church, the church in the United States would step up. I pray that Radius Church would step up. Lord, that we would do our job, that we would, uh, that we really would. I mean, you, you established it from creation. You made us image bearers. And, and then, Lord, you, you saved many of us by the blood of your son. And Lord, we want to represent you well as ambassadors on mm-hmm. this planet. So uh, we pray in your strength that we we be able to endure crazy times, but more than endure, lead in them and uh, go to those that are in need, Lord. I, I really want to pray for uh, the people at Radius specifically uh, that are, are part of a minority group in, in this particular country, Lord. And I appreciate them. I appreciate their willingness to uh, come join a church that's that's uh, the majority white and, and come and give. I know that some of my brothers and sisters, are, they're really in a teaching role right now, Lord, as they walk some of our folks through really how life has been for them and, and they teach us. So pray you give them courage and energy for that and you keep them from being uh, really discouraged by uh, that process, that slow process of weaning us away from some sin that is... Uh, uh, some have just been handed down to us. So we pray, Lord, you'd use us as a body to love and care for each other as we go forward. Thanks for uh, your word and uh, the peace that it brings, even as we take a few minutes to look at it. We love you. We pray in Jesus' great name. Amen. Amen.